everybody, and welcome to episode 11 of Comics and Kaijus. It's your boy, Cameron Miller, joining me today. How you doing, Cameron? Doing pretty good, man. Having a lovely morning so far. Lovely morning. We're doing kind of an early episode today. Uh, hope you guys don't mind. Uh, today we are reviewing Mothra versus Godzilla 1964. Cameron, as usual, take it away, man. Yeah, man. So... Godzilla's back again. He's ready to kick some more ass. Uh, this time, he's still uh, an evil character. Uh, he's still the bad guy of the film. Um, Mothra makes a lovely reappearance, um, coming into the Godzilla universe for the first mm -hmm. time since her original film role, Mothra. Um, and we will see her quite a few times uh throughout the series uh a few times we'll see her in her larval stage and then we won't see her as a moth till uh godzilla versus the sea monster which will be quite a ways off so basically the plot rundown for this is one day a giant mysterious egg washes up on shore and a greedy businessman buys the egg from the local villagers and he proceeds to make an attraction out of it because he's, of course, a greedy businessman. He wants to make a lot of shmoney. Mm -hmm. um, so Godzilla also is awoken because same business group, they drain the water, the ocean water out of an area to build for uh, more more business stuff like i think they're building a uh, an add-on to more factories and little do they know is the entire area is contaminated with radiation and godzilla is sleeping under the ground yeah for once we actually get to see godzilla rise out of the ground and not just straight up out of water which i thought was a pretty cool i thought it was a really cool idea. entrance um yeah. where he just slowly rises out of the ground i thought it was pretty badass um and the godzilla suit looks badass in this it's probably one of the better suits that they've made um it's quite a popular design amongst uh kaiju fans and it's one of my favorite designs as well um basically uh the military they try to stop godzilla um, but it doesn't work. So they ask for the help of Mothra. They go to Infant Island where Mothra lives and where the, the natives reside that worship Mothra and their gods. And the twin fairies reluctantly agree, but Mothra being at the end of her life cycle will pass away in the fight. Uh, so it's basically a suicide run. Uh, and then Mothra passes away and the Shobijin, the twin fairies, they pray to the egg and out of it come two Mothra larvae who fight Godzilla and cocoon him in a web of silk and then he falls into the ocean and he doesn't die he, he just kind of like fucks off till the next film shout out to brody kane for saying howdy bitches what's up bro yo what's up thanks for joining us this morning but uh let's talk about these uh these characters that are going on with man like we had two villains this time the uh two corporate guys one of yeah. them is usually smoking a or smoking a big fat stogie which i thought was really cool and yeah. the other one was the other one was sporting almost a hitler stash it was uh definitely Maybe some symbolism behind that one. Well, there might be. Because um, there's another guy that had a... The, I'm just going to call it the toothbrush stash. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another guy that had one of those. Um, but we don't really see him at, besides the one scene. He presumably works for the same business company. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it's to show that they're evil. But maybe that was a popular style in Japan at the time. Uh, who knows? Uh, I personally like the design, the idea for having that stash because it it's pretty memorable. 
Mm-hmm. You, you remember that guy. That's that's the only movie I really remember him from because of that mustache. Um, yeah, so basically these two business dudes, and then you have the re- recurring characters from other Godzilla films. You had the main character from uh, Mothra, but he you had the actor who played the character. It's not the actual character, which mm-hmm. I think is a missed opportunity. I would have liked them to somehow incorporate. Yo, Brody's calling out your Halloween poster saying it's sexy, bro. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> nice to see him joining us this morning. Favorite Aussie right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I really wish they would have incorporated him to, you know, link the first Mothra movie Absolutely. with this. It's it's kind of like that the Mothra movie, it, like the events of Mothra happened, but they don't really talk about it. I feel like this probably like in the main story of like Godzilla and Mothra, I feel like this maybe happened like a decade after the Mothra incident. That, that's the kind of vibe that I got off. It was maybe a decade or like five years or like eight years, you know, like I, yeah. I feel like there's been time for like reconstruction and. You know, when you really think about it, Mothra is more of like a justified righteous monster, whereas like Godzilla was just straight up monster. I guess the best way to interpret it, because Mothra came out for three years prior Mm -hmm. to this. So I guess we're just going to go off the fact that it's three years after the events of Mothra, Um, but they don't really mention the events. we assume that the Mothra that we see in this is the same Mothra from Mothra. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't flat out state it. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> I know I am. For audio listeners, it said Cam is low-key a big hog. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, look at the retro merch. The do-back discussion. Yeah, man. Get your fucking merch, man. Love it. Can't wait until my merch comes in. Speaking of merch, make sure and check out TeePublic. It's on our site, uh, projectlouder.net. Go to TeePublic, get your comics and kaiju merch, get your Gore and More merch, get any merch you really need. But uh, back to the segment. This yeah. one was directed by Ishiro Honda, just like yeah. many of the other movies that you're we gonna, You're going to hear his name a lot. You're oh, going to hear Ishiro Honda, you're going to hear Akira Fukube, you mm-hmm. hear a lot of those names. Also, uh, I just want to like, I just want to talk about the uh, Godzilla costume for this one. It looked so much better. It looks very good. It looks like, very, very it looked good. So much better than the King Kong versus Godzilla, and I-, I loved it. I liked the design too. He's a little clumsy in this. Yeah, yeah, he falls off into that uh, building at that one scene. Yeah, the castle. Yeah. The I so supposedly. Let me do a quick math here a quick math quick math careful guys when cameron starts thinking shit goes haywire (laughs) (laughs) okay so that castle that miniature castle alone cost i believe it was two hundred thousand yen which is close to two thousand dollars in american jesus yeah, <laughs> and he just and he just, just fell into that. And they just destroy it. Oh, I love it. So, 
let's talk about the actual fighting because I'm sure our listeners really just want to hear about the actual fight between Mothra and Godzilla and how it went down. You had the uh, switches to stop motion for the Mothra, you know, attacking. You had the atomic breath coming from Godzilla. Let's talk about it, man. Yeah. So for the attack sequence, the, the fight sequences, uh, it's a lot of Mothra flapping and it's a lot mm. of Godzilla waving his arms. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I can't say that. Uh, let's say a troubled person. <laughs> um, so it's not really a fair fight. It's like fighting a, a little moth with a fucking flamethrower. Yeah. It's no not really a fair fight. Because <laughs> um, all it takes is a couple blasts of Godzilla's breath to knock Mothra out of the count. I mean, which is understandable, but similar, yeah. to, similar to the fight with King Kong, they had to come up with some way for uh, Mothra to get out on top. Yeah, I do. I do like how Mothra's win, like, hurricane gust winds Mm -hmm. actually somewhat affect Godzilla and like make it a little harder for him to fight because of all the shit flying around getting in his face Mm -hmm. Um, I do like the introduction of the the pollen I guess you could call it it's basically the scales from Mothra's wings Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think they're poison I'm pretty sure they're poisonous and it hurts Godzilla they don't really do anything obvious i guess you could say it slows godzilla down but it doesn't really do that um mothra does bite godzilla's tail as he was going for the egg and drags him away which was pretty fucking funny Mm -hmm. uh, because he just basically drags him his face into the dirt um and godzilla just flails around like a baby Mm mm-hmm no, it was definitely an interesting fight. Uh, I liked it a lot more than the King Kong versus Godzilla fight that we saw in the last episode, mm-hmm. where they were just kind of like they were just really just kind of like rubbing against each other and not really throwing any blows, except for of course the drop kick. The best way I can describe the fight in King Kong versus Godzilla is kind of like sumo wrestling. That's yeah. what it's very slow, very hard hitting, um, but with this. It's very fast, very fast. There's a lot of waving of my arms. There's a lot of roaring. There's a lot of atomic breath flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a very fast and entertaining fight sequence. Um, and then it gets even better when you have the two Mothra larvae enter the fray because uh, they have the silk web attack. Oh, dude, I thought that was so dumb. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. whatever well, they have to give him anime. something. Okay, well. They're not going to be like, all right, two two caterpillars are going to fuck up Godzilla. How? <laughs> fuck if I know. Fuck if I know. No, I, I just thought it was kind of dumb that, like, in that in that final, like, few minutes of the battle where Mothra is the two larvae because, you know, Mothra actually dies. Um, Whenever they did the silk webbing attack, I was like, bro, I was like, that's just going to buy them time. They're going to like, they're going to evolve really quickly or something like that. They're going to like, you know, progress the evolution of Mothra really fast so that it'd be two Mothers against them. But no, it was just the silk webbing. He falls into the ocean again, and then they just swim off to the sunset again. And I was like, <laughs> I was like what? <laughs> well, I mean, like they really just wrapped him up in a web and dropped him in the ocean. <laughs> I, I think the inspiration for that attack would be like, 
the silk moths. I'm not going to lie. It, it kind of felt like a Spider-Man takedown, you know? <laughs> it's still pretty cool. But they just wrapped him in webbing, and I was like, I was like, that, that's full-blown Godzilla. A little bit of webbing is going to kill him? Like, are you sure about that? <laughs> yeah. It'd be cool if it was, like, acidic silk or whatever. That yeah, yeah. Like, that that would have been cool. awesome. Like, maybe if they would have, like, discussed that uh, the webbing would, like, eat away at his skin or something, you know? Or, like, maybe it was just poisonous all around. <laughs> but no, they just wrapped the boy up and, like, they were like, all right, deuces, you can't breathe in the water, right? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> I had a blast with this movie, though. It was definitely a... It's a great, great film. film. It's a great film. It's one of my favorite Godzilla movies. I, I got to say, it's one of the better ones that we've watched lately. It's got a great pacing. Um, there's always a lot of entertaining scenes. The characters are still quite likable. I love the the, uh, the greedy businessmen in this. They're What's the word I'm looking for? Awful, yet very likable. I guess they're, they're definitely likable villains. They're, 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 they're very likable characters in terms of a villain. And for those of you that haven't like really seen this yet, uh, the two main villains are like a big poke at capitalism because at the time, you know, Japan was booming economically and yes. they still had, they're still having a bit of the feud between, you know, Japan and America going on. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of like, anti, there's a lot of like anti-capitalist uh, kind of like, satire uh, i'd say it's like satire kind of pushed into uh, it yeah I, yeah i would go with satire on this um and as yeah. usual you know the godzilla movies are actually surprisingly political for them anything has a price because mm -hmm. the guy buys the egg um and it's funny how he buys the egg <laughs> the the villagers they find the egg and they bring it ashore and it's technically their property because um, it was in their fishing waters. Um, and this business guy, he buys it for like a really, really odd number. And his reasoning why it's such an odd number is because he takes the price of one egg and he's like, oh, there's got to be this amount of many eggs that would equal this giant egg. So multiply that by that. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so <Gosh>. stupid. <laughs> Man's was on um, another level of monies. And then he also tries <laughs> to buy the the twin fairies, the Shobijin. Mm -hmm. Speaking so, of, like, was it the same actresses that played those? I believe so. I do believe so. I believe so. Yeah, I believe they're the same actresses. Um, I'd hate to say it and sound insensitive, but like they they do look a lot like the uh, twins that played it last time. Well, that's not really insensitive. Let me double check. I believe it is. Let me do a quick search. Yes, they are the same girls. Sweet. I believe so. Yeah. So what would you have to say was like your your, your favorite scene in this movie? My favorite scene? I would have to go with um, the fight between Godzilla and the military. I really oh, yeah, where he's that. just blowing away the tanks and just melting them down with his, so that, his atomic breath. I love that. I love that so much mm -hmm. when they show the tanks like melting and turning red and like falling apart. It just tells you Instead how it's like, just exploding. I yeah. think that's really cool. Oh, dude, it's great. Um, I also like it's it's such a cartoonish idea, but it kind of worked where they take a bunch of giant nets 
they take a bunch of giant nets and they drop them on Godzilla to like immobilize him. Um, it just kind of freaks him out and he doesn't know what to do. But they had these giant power lines and at the top of the power lines is like a little, I guess like a Tesla ball and it shoots electricity out. It's like 3 million volts. <laughs> Brody. Oh my God, Brody. Chill out, man. So for our audio fans, TJ is asking if the keys hanging from Cameron's mic uh, improve the audio quality or something. And Brody said he could pick up Area 51 signals with those bad boys hanging on there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love Brody. Oh, what a dude. So anyway. let's talk about this budget versus the box office. So, yeah. I can't really find a budget. Um... I don't know if I'm just stupid and we I wasn't looking hard enough, but I checked multiple sites and I didn't see anything. I really don't trust Wikipedia. Um, so oh. <laughs> the budget uh, or the uh, the box office was two million three hundred thousand yen, which is about more quick math. Yeah, more quick math. That's about. Um, Now, keep in mind, you have to account for inflation and all that hot jazz. Um, Yeah, I'm sure in 1964, that was definitely a big hitter. Yeah. Because a lot of these movies really, so far, flipped and made so much more than what the budget was. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um. Let's also talk about the differences between the original Japanese version and then the American release that happened later on in the year, November. Oh, it's going to have to be all you then. I haven't seen both versions. Well, there isn't really much of a difference. There's there's a lot of small things like the newspaper article being different. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have like some audio differences, uh, some soundtrack differences. Uh, but the big major one is the fight scene between Godzilla and the U S Navy. Now the scene was actually, it wasn't made just for the American release. It was actually supposed to be in the original cut, but what happened was they didn't want to get a lot of pushback from the public because they they think it wouldn't have been you know a good idea to show the u.s navy firing on japanese soil because they're still pretty touchy touchy about world war ii and all that stuff so uh they opted out of it um but they kept in the american release um it's still really cool there's a lot of big explosions. Godzilla falls on the ground, gets back up, keeps getting knocked down. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end, it's pretty much, it was all for nothing. Uh, Cause he just walks away from it. Uh, the other difference is they cut a bit of, the death scene of the the greedy businessman with the Hitler stash mm-hmm. um, in the Japanese cut, you see the you see him fall back and he has blood on his face, but they cut that out of the American version because mm-hmm. 
in America. We're a bunch of sensitive pussies. Uh, TJ Bowser is right. I've actually heard through the grapevine and the group ah, chat bastards. <laughs> that, that, that Cameron Miller is actually a really big fan of the Rule 34 art of Godzilla and Mothra, or Godzilla X Mothra, if you will. Absolutely, totally. <laughs> All about that moth pussy, bro. Uh, moth you know, pussy Cam, He's a savage, dirty motherfucker. Fucking disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awful. I don't know. I've seen you post quite a bit in the group chat, so I, I, I'd i say you're into it. Hey, man, let's not spread lies like this. Hey, you found an unhealthy amount, all right? <laughs> Listen, you thought this was episode 11. It's really the intervention, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you have a problem, Cam. I'm sorry, man. I'm trying. <laughs> so so I, I really liked the uh, like the editing in this one. It It felt very smooth. It wasn't really like jumpy as some of like the other movies that we've reviewed were where it like just quickly jumps to like totally different shit or like really weird camera angles you know i really liked like the angles that they fought from i liked the angles that we got to view it from i liked just the way it kind of cut during the battle even the stop motion actually looked really smooth to me was there stop motion there was stop motion i'm pretty sure when mothra was fighting godzilla there was like a little bit of stop motion i'm I don't. I know there were puppets, but there were definitely puppets. I don't remember stop motion. I could have swore there was stop motion, bro. Because the only stop motion that I can think of in any of the Godzilla films is Godzilla versus King Kong, or King Kong versus Godzilla, where Godzilla does the drop kick, the jump kick thing. Mm hmm. But uh, there were definitely puppets. The puppets look. I liked Mothra's look. What? I liked Mothra's look in this. Yeah. She, you know, she, for, looks, for a she, giant. Looks, she looks older. Uh, I thought you were going to say she looks kind of hot. I'll kick your ass. <laughs> but. um, Yes, TJ. The guy on the left is your boy, Quarter J. Forgot to introduce myself. That's my bad. So, uh, let's get down into the rating of this movie. What would you give it? One out of ten, and and why? Um, I am gonna go with. Uh. Eight Mothra larvae out of ten. Eight Martha. <laughs> Eight Mothra larvae out of ten. Yeah, I could kind of agree with that, but what's your reasoning behind it? I don't... I guess it's the pacing and how entertaining it is. I love... It's not... A, there, are, there aren't a lot of really slow, boring scenes. Because that's how it usually is with a lot of the later Godzilla films in the Showa mm -hmm. era. It's a lot of people talking... A little bit of fight scene. Then yeah. A lot of people talking. And then a little bit of fight scene. And then you have the big fight scene at the end. Um, for this, it kind of feels like it's all a what? Brody. Do you, Brody Kane says, do you reckon that Mothra shits out eggs from the same hole as its poo hole? Well, Cameron, you're the Mothra expert here. 
I have no fucking clue. <laughs> Careful, Brody. His face is turning red. He's getting a little steamy. I have no fucking clue. The egg is like bigger than Mothra, so figure how that shit works out. I don't know. Oh, TJ Bowser saying Brody Kane no, the same hole Godzilla punishes in his special. What is with you guys here? What did Godzilla and Mothra fuck? Yo, it's not us, Cameron. We've already discussed this. Oh my god, you sound like all the degenerate Godzilla fans. Jesus Christ. Stop it. It's a lizard and a moth. Stop. It's a lizard and a moth. Stop it. God oh, yeah. TJ says lots of moth goo is lube. I'd say they use the I'd say they use the uh, silk web for bondage, huh, Cameron? I want to kill myself. <laughs> Anyway, I, I agree with Cameron's 8 out of 10. Uh, it was a good movie. There's a lot of talking yet again. I kind of... I understand they got to fill in like the time for the movie and stuff like that, but I wish there was a little more action. Maybe like a little more rampages. Yeah, I mean, the characters are very interesting, so it's not like you're sick of the characters and you don't mm-hmm. want to see them. Um, especially the uh, the businessmen. They're probably the best characters best human characters in the movie oh they're very interesting um because your protagonists they they're pretty much your generic good people it's there, there isn't really anything special yes tj bowser call cam moth daddy <laughs> God, i hate you guys <laughs> yo we got a um, rag on you we got yeah, a rag. Plus, plus there's the the effects have definitely improved mm-hmm. since the last film the Godzilla suit looks very good. Um, Godzilla is also menacing. Fuck you, TJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the suit is improved. The effects have improved. Um, Godzilla is very imposing in this. You actually get to see him destroy a city because I don't think you saw him do that in the last film. He just kind of he walked through a military base. And then that's it. <laughs> he he kind of just wanders around the Japanese, the, the uh, Japan countryside, and that's it. Mm-hmm. This, you actually get to see him fuck some shit up and be an actual evil force. And it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I can understand that. I I would have to agree with the 8 out of 10. I uh, really liked how, yet again, they flesh out the uh, spikes glowing yes. whenever he does the atomic breath and to answer tj's question yes the fairy people are back that's what we were talking about earlier with the uh twins being yeah, the the twins before the they call them the shobijin mm-hmm. um a lot of people just go by twins or the twin fairies um mm-hmm. and you you will see them in a couple other godzilla films you'll see them in like uh godzilla versus uh monster zero um no, not Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Uh, Geeter, the three-headed monster. You'll see him in that. Uh, you'll also see them in Mothra vs. Godzilla. You'll see him. You don't really see him in GMK, but there's like a nod to it. But that's way down the line. That's way down the line. We'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. A review of SSSS Gridman. Huh. I started watching that actually a few months back. So we might 
Might have to do a little review about that then. I like that. Sounds like a plan. Well, uh, quick little commercial break. Like I said earlier, make sure to check out the projectlouder.net. Go to the T Public uh, drop down under the merch and check out some comics and kaiju merch. And if you're not really feeling the comics and kaiju, make sure to check out the other ones like Gore More Ghoulies Unflushed and many other merch. Check it out. Hell so, yeah. to get into my stuff, Hell yeah. this week, go for it. We reviewed Tales from the Crypt, Volume 1, Ghouls Gone Wild as our comic book. And let me tell you, I chose this one out of pure nostalgia. Growing so this, up, one, this one you had when you were a kid. Well, growing up, I'd, uh, I'd only read like one, maybe two of the Tales from the Crypt comics, and I don't even remember which issues they were. But I watched the Tales from the Crypt uh, movie because my mom had like a two set movie. It was like, I think it was Bordello of Blood. I think they reviewed it on Gornmore. It was Bordello of Blood and Demon Knight. Okay. And I really enjoyed it. And the like the entire drive behind Tales from the Crypt is just pure nostalgia from when I was a kid watching it. And okay. when I saw, you know, the comic, I was like, bro, this, this is what we're going to have to do. This is it. So as with most Tales from the Crypt, uh, do, do stories voice. it's a bit of the voice the oh voice. no I, I cannot attempt the crypt keeper's voice sorry oh, you could do the crypt keeper's voice no no there's no way there's no way i could <laughs> <laughs> and tj's confirming that they reviewed both films on Gorn more but uh no I, I i could never do the crypt keeper's voice it's so uh, i don't even know if i have the range for that but uh for the kitties. But uh as with most you know stories for Tales from the Crypt, it is a compilation of mini stories. Oh god, no, Brody, come on. Brody, I, I can't do the voice. All right. I'm uh, sorry. I'd have to practice a lot before I even thought about doing it in front of the camera or the camera, okay? So as with most Tales from the Crypt stories, it's a compilation of stories with interjections from the narrator, the Crypt Keeper. And I definitely prefer his show slash movie uh, likeness over the comic likeness. And the comic likeness, he kind of he kind of has like a bit more like fat going on. <laughs> a little bit more fat. Yeah, like like he has more he has more skin. He has more like he has more flesh all around. Okay. Like in the show and stuff, he's very skeletal and kind of light uh, you know more decayed more way more decayed it looks yeah. like it's almost like a zombie but uh camera go ahead and uh take it over or actually we got a message from tj tj's got a voice message he wants me to play it on the air real quick oh god Oh, that laugh gave me chills, TJ. Jesus. Is this going to be like a trope thing for me? Yes, Where it it's is. like, I'm the fucking anti-addict. <laughs> what is this? I'm sorry. Who uh, wanted us to review Monster Musume for this episode? Actually, it was a combination effort between me and Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who brought it up? <laughs> At 
actually it was TJ. <laughs> and uh, who got caught watching hentai or sorry, reading hentai at work? It wasn't hentai. It was it was the Monster Musume comics. Basically hentai. But I wasn't caught. <laughs> I was just openly reading it in front of people. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. So shout out to TJ. That was a pretty spot on voice. It actually gave Thank me chills. Insulting me. Laugh. <laughs> it, it gave me chills when he did the laugh. Not gonna lie. Um. Anyway, let's talk about the uh, first story that's brought up. So, well, feel- we should also tell him that it's multiple stories all in one. That's what I was saying. It's a it's a combination of like a bunch yeah. of mini stories with interjections from the crypt keeper. So, the first story follows uh, this like small town. And it follows this couple that work at a diner in the small town. And mm-hmm. basically their neighbor dies and there's like a lot of drama. They're like, well, who's going to move into the house? Like this is, this is big drama. Cause like I said, small town, you know, everything gets noticed. So they, they're kind of discussing on who would move in. And the guy that ends up moving in is this. Yeah. Like TJ said, told like an anthology, like it just a complete collection of little horror minis. Or kind of horror comedy minis, if you really. But uh, anyway, this like uh, artist guy moves in next door to the house where the people died. And the couple that are his neighbors are very confused by him because he doesn't seem to really go out during the day. He doesn't really like have like a job that they've noticed. So one night they're up at like midnight, you know, as most people do. And uh, being the nosy neighbors they are, they were like looking out the window, seeing what the artist guy was doing. And they saw him getting in his car and driving. They're like, you know what? Let's go follow him. Let's see what this guy is about. Like, is he some creep? And basically they follow him to the cemetery and they're like, what is he doing in the cemetery? And why is he carrying like art supplies and stuff? And this is when they find out that he was an artist. He was drawing, uh, or not really drawing, painting, uh, ghoulified uh characters like uh mona lisa which is shown in the cover art for this comic and he also paints basically like what he would imagine the ghoulified versions of the people in the cemetery were and he draws like a lot of inspiration from painting in the cemetery because it kind of gets him in the spooky vibe kind of and they do some more digging and they're like, man, that's so weird. I wonder like what people are you know, buying it for. And they find out basically that each painting is selling for on average, like $50,000 a pop, which is pretty damn good for paintings. This guy doing a great job. And basically they find out that he is going to do this auction and they've kind of planned out how long he'll be gone and they're going to break into his house. And at first, you know, the wife or, yeah, the wife was telling him, like, no, we shouldn't do this. It's wrong. What if we get caught? And he kind of just kept talking her into it. And they wait a few hours after the guy leaves to go to New York for this auction. And they break into his home and they start grabbing paintings, grabbing paintings and taking them back to the house, just going back and forth, grabbing paintings. And the dude decides to go back for one more trip, even though the wife was like, no, we have enough. We can, you know, early retire off of this. We can go retire in Florida. You know, this should be it. We should stop. And he was like, no, just one more. You should see all the stuff this guy has. And he goes back in there. And as he's like coming out with the paintings, a gun is pointed at him and it's the artist guy. 
And he's like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in New York. And he's like, imagine my surprise when my house alarm goes off and I turn around to come back and it's my neighbor breaking into my house. And he's like, now nah, I'm going to call the police and you're going to return like everything that you stole. And the guy's like, no. And they, they like wrestle over the gun and the gun goes off. And in the next panel, they show that the artist was the one that got shot. And the dude just kind of runs out with the paintings that he had under his arms. Cops show up uh, the next day. They take the artist guy out in a body bag. Uh, they do like kind of an investigation. It was kind of like a shitty investigation. They basically just told the neighbors. Yeah, yeah they, they basically just told the neighbors not to leave town in case they had any more questions. And that, that was about it as far as the investigation went. And then it like kind of fast forwards a couple years. And basically, since the dude died, his artwork became more valuable. And they were like finding buyers for it and stuff. And they, they had all the paintings in this uh, storage facility that they had or not a facility, but like a like a storage locker. So they go to the storage locker and this is about the end of this story. <laughs> Brody Kane saying plot twist Mothra shits out humanoid fairy people that look like Cameron. It's the only uh, moth pussy Cameron will be getting anyway. <laughs> I, I, I can't win. I can't I can't win. I can't win. So I'm trying. <laughs> so basically when they go to grab the paintings and they turn around, uh there's a bunch of like the painted ghouls came to life or came to life. It kind of alludes that they kind of went through like a mental snap from killing the guy and they hallucinated the ghouls attacking them and they both simultaneously died of a heart attack. And that, that's how that story kind of wraps up. We get another great interjection by the Crypt Keeper, you know, doing his usual stuff, cutting up people and, or not cutting up people, but like cutting up the old witch that's in his like little interjection area. And then we kind of get into like the other three stories. Cameron, you want to lead the second story? Uh, well, actually, let's discuss this first one still let's talk about because i think it'd be a, a lot to break down if we went through each one and then decided to talk about all of them all at once yeah no, so let's just break it down a little pieces here so let's talk about the artwork <laughs> oh yeah you, um, you weren't a big fan of the artwork <laughs> i i respect all styles of art everyone has their own unique style um but this, I, I didn't really, I wasn't a fan of this one. Um, Cause I really like a lot of detailed art. Mm. Um, this was a little bit too uh, blocky for me. It was a little, it was very simplistic, very cartoonish and blocky. Um, it's yeah, a unique like design. Cartoonish. It's probably the most unique looking out of all the stories. Um, but it, for me, it just wasn't my cup of tea um the story is good um the artwork i mean the, it's just the art that kind of throws me off um that's 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 my input on the artwork um this i i love uh the idea that the because they kind of leave it loose on like if they're hallucinating or if they the paintings actually came alive mm -hmm. um which is very tales of the crypt yeah um i love that it's a small town where everyone knows everyone because 
when the 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 one officer is talking to the neighbors. Yeah, they know him by name. Yeah, they know him by name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes things that adds a little bit more tension. Because imagine how hard it was to like lie to a hide, to lie to your friend and mm-hmm. to also hide from everyone in your town that pretty much knows you on like a very personal basis that like you murdered someone. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure it was definitely a hard strain for the characters. Yeah. Uh, still love the story. Um, oh, no, it, it was definitely an intriguing story. Yeah. Uh, on to the next story. Uh, it is for series collectors only mm-hmm. is the title. And basically what happens on this story is you have this guy he lives with his mother. He's got, I'm guessing in his thirties. Um, mm-hmm. He's pretty much like a social outcast. He's a nerd and he likes to collect figurines. Um, as I stare at my <laughs> NECA and Godzilla figures. <laughs> you realize that this is you. I'm like, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's me. <laughs> but he's definitely a relatable character to all of us. A collector nerds. To a lot of uh, nerdy people. Um, but he's not really a likable character. He's kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, he's rude to his mother. He's always late to work. He only cares about his uh, figure collection. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day after work, he goes to the local collectible store. And he f- finds this really interesting looking figure. And it's from Japan. And the box is all written in Japanese and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at it. And this really shady worker at the, the store comes over. And he's like, ah, I see a, I see you have a liking to that figure. It's very special. Um, and he's like, it's very rare as well. Uh, and the guy, the guy thinks he's bullshitting just to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, at first. At first, and then he goes home, and then he's on the computer, and he's doing a bit of research, and he can't find anything about it. Mm-hmm. He can't even find a picture. So he's like, "Fuck! I really want that figure." Yeah, it it's must a be one super of a, rare. Yeah, it's, it's a one of a kind piece. So <clears throat> he asks his mother for some money, um, but she doesn't give it to him, and mm-hmm. he snaps at her. And comes at her, who she also collects figures as well. But they're like, I'm guessing it'd be the equivalent to like porcelain dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, insults her for you know collecting porcelain dolls. And, and stuff speaking like of collecting porcelain dolls, uh, this takes the pot shot that we see very often with people that collect like action figures and stuff like that, where people go, "You collect dolls?" That yes. that kind of joke is very <laughs> running through it. Yeah, his mom calls them dolls. And yeah, he, they're not dolls. They're not they're, dolls, mom. They're, they're highly articulated, micro-articulated figures. Um, it's which I'm not going to lie. I've said stuff like that. I'm like, they're not dolls. They're, they're figures. It's definitely <laughs> very fun. I make myself sound like less of a fucking geek. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, she doesn't give him the money. 
and he's pissed about it. So next day when he's at work, he steals money from the register and he goes to the store, buys the figure um, and puts it in his collection and he's looking at it. And then the next day when he goes into work, his boss fires him because he saw on the camera that he took the money. Mm-hmm. At first, I don't think he was going to fire him if he had the money still. I think the boss would have given He was still going to fire him. He said, if you don't return the money, I'm going to call the police. Mm. Yeah. Because either way, it was stealing from the store. He just kind of gave him the option of you return the money or you go to jail type yeah. thing. Um, Which is a lot lighter than what would happen in, like, in reality if you stole from like a place he worked. A lot of places would just straight up call the cops and be done with it. Yeah, so he's fired, and he goes home, and he comes into his room, and he sees his figure collection has all been destroyed. And he's pissed. All of his boxes are ripped open. There's pieces everywhere. And he thinks his mom did it because his mom didn't really like his figure collection. Mm -hmm. So he freaks out on her takes one of her figures her her most prized figure or doll i'm gonna call it um and she freaks out and he smashes it and she dies like there was some (laughs) kind of a blink between it and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) well i think it was just the shock because she was portrayed as a very old woman so i think it was just the shock of the outburst maybe put her in cardiac arrest that could be too um but she dies um the cops come and uh, they're like, so what happened? <laughs> and he's like, she just died. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to have a nice day. <laughs> cool, I mean, I'll remember we've, that next the, time. We've seen the way the cops were portrayed in the first story, too, the half-assed investigation. They basically just yeah, told them, I, don't leave it's, town. It's going to push the story along. Give it a little nudge. Give it a little nudge. Yeah, give it a little nudge. Um, but anyways, later on, you see, uh, he hears some noises, I think, down in the basement. Mm-hmm. Oh, and mind you, in the panels, for the audio listeners, in the panels, the uh, you can see, like, the glowing eyes of the figurine that he caught, like, under the stairs and, like, hiding in yeah. the shadows and stuff whenever he comes down to check the toys being broken. Yes. So there's, like, a lot of, like, kind of sinister buildup behind the new action figure that he bought. Um. And yeah, and when he goes down there, he sees all of his figures are alive, and they come and attack him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, <laughs> I like the one early at the very beginning of the comic. He's holding uh, one of his figures. Uh, it's, I think he calls it Crocozoid. Crocozoid, yeah. Um, and it's funny because one of his uh, teeth get knocked out, so his he isn't really talking properly. <laughs> He's like, you too, Crocodile? You too? And I <laughs> I just found that really funny. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> oh, no. No, he said, et tu, Crocodile. It was a uh, reference to Julius Caesar. Was it? Yeah. it. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's et tu, Crocodile. Whenever he has his uh, tooth knocked out. Basically... You know, if you haven't read Julius Caesar, uh, his like basically best friend in the story betrays him and kills him 
you know, all of his friends end up betraying him, but he's most surprised when his best friend is the one stabbing him. And he says, et tu, brute. Yeah. And he says, et tu, brute, which which translates to end you. And then, you know, the character's name. Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. I mean, Um, this dude's last breath. I mean, he was a fucking nerd. (laughs) Yeah, he gets gets consumed by a sea of figures, which you can assume tear him to shreds. Um, and then it, the, the panels zoom in onto the, the, the box. I've, I've got to pull it up if you'd like me to read it real quick. Okay. So the translation on the box is super evil demon robot comes to life, wrecks your home. Now 250% more cursed for serious collectors only. Mm-hmm. And again, with the tales from the crypt stories, there's a lot of like satirical type comedy thrown into it. Like, yes, they're a horror anthology, but there's also like a lot of really lighthearted jokes kind of just sprinkled into it, which I really enjoy. Yeah. I think it adds a nice little pep to it as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to take away on this next story. I really loved this one. It was really good. Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, the Tenant. Yeah, The Tenant. And it's basically about this like cheap landlord. Like he's very cheap, but he has he has a nice car. He wears flashy clothes. It alludes that he has a very nice home. And basically, uh, it zooms in on like one of his buildings. This is where the comic opens up. And he's like visiting them, asking them like you know how everything's going. And they're all complaining, saying you know, hey, the the heater's out. It's like the middle of winter. It shows snow is falling. And they're like, the heat's out. It's been out for like weeks. We've been struggling to stay warm. And like, even one of them was like really concerned about this old lady that has been living in a room with no heat for a very long time. And basically, you know, just, just normal complaints like that. And he's like, well, talk to your superintendent and get it fixed. And he's like, the superintendent's lazy. He never answers us. Like we need you to step in and make him do his job. And Basically, he just kind of brushes them off and he's like, well, just talk to your super like, I, I don't care. I got better stuff to do type thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's just not wanting to save anything. He even says like a bit of a dickish quote whenever they say that the old lady is going without heat. And he's like, well, at least you're saving me money to buy me like to buy my family gifts. And he just yeah, gets in his car and kind of drives off. Yeah, he gets in his car and drives off after that. And it's like this guy is really not a likable guy at all. Like he's a straight up dick. And basically that night, the old lady that he kind of mocked for not having heat uh, dies. And uh, a lot of the tenants in the building step forward and testify against him in court because the lady's grandson hired a lawyer. And the, the judge basically, you know, says that the landlord's a cheap piece of shit and sentences him to either live 30 days in one of his buildings without making any improvements to the building or he loses all of his like assets to the grandson. And of course the guy not wanting to lose any of his money and stuff was like, I could live 30 days easy. And, you know, he packs like a bunch of space heaters and stuff because he can't make any improvements on the building. So he kind of used a loophole and was like, well, technically it's not improvements on the building. It's just appliances in the building. And he had like a bunch of space heaters and stuff. And like it even said the first few days went great. And 
basically the heater went out and he goes downstairs to like fix it. He's like, Oh, it'll be a quick fix. You know, I can get this done in no time. No big deal. Technically not an improvement, just repairing something that broke while I was here. And uh, while he's down there, he sees a, a ghoul, basically like a zombified person. And he's mm. like terrified. And he like scrambles up the stairs and like he closes the door and the dude's like banging on the door, knocking really loudly. And he's like, he's like, Hey, I need you to fix this. Like it's cold fix the heater like fix it we need you to and that's basically like a running theme through this story is that like you know each night that he's there the different ghouls like attack him and like visit him and they're like we need you to fix this we need you to be a proper landlord and fix yeah, this they, and they have the complaints they're like we have complaints exactly. we have complaints yeah. we have complaints and then like towards the end where they're showing like uh the like ghouls or zombies or ghosts or however you describe them attacking him they end up dragging him outside and it's the old lady who died and she was like she's like i don't care that you didn't fix the heat she was like i that doesn't matter to me now because i'm dead what i do care about is my grave has graffiti all over it there's bottles on my grave i need you to clean it mm -hmm. she's like i want a nice comfortable clean place to rest and the guy spends like all night cleaning it and, he, and he's like, you'll leave me alone if I do this. Right. And she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go away forever. I won't bother you again. And he's just like, all right, all right, I'll clean it. And he makes it look really nice. He spends all night cleaning the gravestone. He uh, even like flattens the dirt where it was disturbed and like cleans up all the bottles and stuff. And he's like, sweet. They left me alone. And he turns around and there's more. And they're like, what about ours? Like, why, why'd you only clean hers? You know, you're supposed to be our landlord clean yeah. my grave too and he was like what you guys said you'd leave me alone and they were like no we still have complaints you fix our complaints we'll leave you alone yeah and in this one compared to the other two stories there's a lot of character development that goes through this guy because in this story he doesn't actually die the other yeah, characters no. they died and in this story he kind of goes through this character development where he becomes less of a a dick and more caring towards his tenants and even after he's finished with it, it describes that he comes back every month. With, yeah, he redeems himself. Yeah, he comes. It, it even says he comes back every month to that grave plot. Even even while he's still, you know, he's still very rich. He still mm -hmm. lives in his very nice multi million dollar mansion or whatever. He still got the nice car, but mm -hmm. he comes back to the site to care for the apartment and the grave site every and morning. It even alludes to him treating his tenants better because there's like in that final panel where he goes back with the shovel and the paint supplies and the cleaning supplies, uh, it shows like some of his tenants that you saw at the beginning in the background, like smiling. So it kind of alludes that not only is he taking better care of the grave itself, but he's also transitioning that into the rest of his duties as a landlord. Like he's becoming less of a cheapskate on him. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like that was a really cool level of character development. I definitely wasn't expecting much character development in a Tales from the Crypt story, mm -hmm. but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, out of the anthology, this one was my this favorite this, in this one. This and, is my favorite one. And they definitely have that reoccurring theme of kind of irony, like you reap what you sow type thing. Yeah. Going on with this one. Um, I like it because there's that it's not like they kill him. They could have easily killed him. And mm -hmm. drug him like they could have drug him into the ground or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm kind of glad they didn't. Um, I like how he he improves um, his morality. He becomes a better person. 
um, which I like to see in a character. I like to see a character grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we all like to see the bad, the antagonist of the story get his comeuppance and either gets killed mm-hmm. or his life is ruined, but he's still, um, he's still rich and everything, but he, he's become a very nice person. He's become a better person. Um, art style looks very good in this as well. Yeah. Uh, I bet you're a big fan of the art on this one versus that first comic. Yes, Yes, I am. Uh, this one was pretty good. Uh, and then the, uh, for serious collectors only, that one was pretty good as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh they were a lot more we detailed and less cartoonish for yeah, sure yeah shall we uh jump to the next story the last yes. story runaway roadkill take it away cam yes so this takes place in the big city i'm i'm just gonna say it's new york yeah it's probably um, some big city like new york or chicago yeah and it revolves around this really snobby bitchy uh fashion lady She's like, she's the owner of like a, I, I guess it's her own uh, brand of clothing. She's, mm-hmm. and she has like purses and dresses, shoes, everything. Um, and she treats her employees like dirt. She even rips the dress that uh, the one girl was wearing that was made by her mother. Because it wasn't her own line. And she it wasn't did, her own line. Yeah, and it it looked worthy. Mm-hmm um she basically spits on everyone um she i'm surprised any of them still stay with her um but yeah they uh she treats everyone around her like a lesser person because they don't have i guess they don't really say why she treats them like that i guess it's it's just part of her just shit yeah, it's just part of her character she's just a very rich snobby bitch mm-hmm. um and her employee the the one that she ripped the dress off of well not off she tore the dress um she was supposed to talk to a uh i'm gonna say an army veteran who's missing an arm yeah he was an army veteran um because it's supposed she wants to like collaborate with him and produce a new clothing line and wants to she's doing it only for uh to make herself only for pr to make herself look better um Mm -hmm. but while she's insulting her uh employee he's right behind her and he hears all that and he's basically like, yeah, I don't want to work with someone like you. Someone who treats their employees like dirt. And of course, and, after she sees his like fashion line, she's very blown away. So this kind of pisses her off. <laughs> yeah, um, it pisses her off. And she's insulted that he would say something like that. Mm-hmm. And as he's walking away, she pushes him out the window. Um, and he falls out of the building to his death. Um, little did she know was that the soldier was that employee's brother. Um, and then her clothing line starts to, what's the word? 
come to life. <laughs> come to life, I guess. They get yeah. possessed. Um, turns out that the the girl and her mother are like what would you call them? They were goddesses. Were they goddesses? Yeah, the mother was the goddess of inanimate objects. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought they were just like uh like witch doctors or whatever. Like they did some voodoo. Yeah. On the, the objects. And basically her clothes come to life and they start to kill her. And she mm-hmm. dies uh being choked to death by her corset. Not only that, uh what I really appreciated about the irony in this one is that whenever the clothing started to attack her, she was about to go on the runway. And whenever it started to attack her, she tried to flee, but she ended up fleeing onto the runway. So not only did she die, but she died being humiliated by the very thing that like she fought so hard to uphold. And mm-hmm. I feel like it was a very like I said, with this story, there's or with these stories, there's a lot of reap what you sow type messages just kind of seeded into it. And one thing that uh, I really thought was kind of funny was uh, throughout the comic, she's basically describing herself as a goddess of fashion. That not only mm-hmm. is she chosen by the goddess of fashion, but she is a goddess of fashion. So she's very, very narcissistic. Yeah, very, very egotistical too. And uh, basically, I, I just thought it was funny that whenever she was going down and the mother and the daughter came out and the mother was just like, yeah, you thought you were a goddess. This is basically what true power looks like and just <laughs> fucking kills her ass with her own clothes. And I thought that was definitely a very cool kind of, uh, say, interjection. Like, not really an interjection, but like a cool sense of irony back to her. Yeah. Um, this one also had a unique art style on mm-hmm. it as well. It's very, it's simplistic. Um, but it, what's the word I'm looking for? It's. It kind of um, like I, I want to say it kind of has like a lot of pastels going on with it too. Yeah, it's very. Ah, damn, I don't even know how to describe it. It reminds me of like a old like Disney cartoon, like you know not, not, like a, not like a really old Disney cartoon. But it, like, I don't know if you remember this show, but I do. Um, oh no! It reminds me of Sixteen. I don't think it was you don't cool. know that. No. Yeah. Some people might know what that is. Um, yeah, it's basically it's pretty much the same art style as this. Mm-hmm. The the people themselves are like their basic shape is still very detailed. It's not like with the other one where they're very blocky and whatever they still have, you know, ah, damn, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> it's very hard to describe. Um, the only way to really explain it is if you're looking at it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is still, I still like this art style. It's unique and it's simplistic, um, but it's not like weird and blocky and their faces don't look like Picasso paintings, mm-hmm. like the first one. And then also want to point out that this is probably the most indie we have gone with our comic book discussion so far. Yes. This one was not published by a big name like our previous ones that we've read. It was yep. published by Paper Cuts with a Z, 
And Cameron, without Ooh, looking, without looking, when would you say that this came out? Like, what? When would you guess based on like the artwork, the style, and everything? Without looking, two. Th- it's a, it's got to be in the two thousands. Two thousand seven. I was gonna. I was, <laughs> I was gonna say two thousand six. Yeah, I definitely recommend this uh, to our comic aficionados like us. Oh yeah, parallel. Parallel was very parallel, indie. Very indie. Yeah. Damn, my bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the first comic that we reviewed. No, it wasn't. We reviewed Spawn for our first comic. We did that was the second one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, because that that one came out with uh, King Kong. Man, I forgot about. I'm not gonna lie, bro. <laughs> it's been a minute. I forgot about Parallel there for a second. <laughs> I apologize. That was a good comic that we read too. That's very good. Uh, um, so, Cameron, what would you say? Like we were discussing earlier, instead of doing a favorite panel like we usually do, which yeah. one was your favorite story of the four, and why? Um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, the tenant. I really like that one. Um, there's a lot of character building. Um, uh, the antagonist slash protagonist mm-hmm. um he grows as a character he he lives at the end um which is different from all the other ones because every all the antagonists in every other story dies um so it's cool to see this one live mm-hmm. and become a good person yeah i'd have to agree with you i really liked the uh tenant short story i'd say the close second was the for serious collectors only short story yeah I'm gonna have to I, agree I thought that one was that. really good. The art style on that one was really unique too. And yes. when the toys came to life, it was very reminiscent of that really old kids movie, Small Soldiers. Oh, you know, dude. You know, where the toys had like the microchips, you know, and they came yeah, to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to me, it, it kind of felt like that. Like, especially whenever it destroyed the other toys, it felt like the soldiers wanting to destroy the uh, fantasy creature toys. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. Yes, I remember that. Maybe <laughs> TJ Bowser with a major chip hazard. Glad, glad he has the same taste in kids' movies. <laughs> <laughs> and the oh, yeah, the Gorgonites. That's, that's what their name was. Yeah. Uh, that was a fucking good movie. I like that. Um, yeah, no, it, it was just very reminiscent of them, and I, I really enjoyed that. Like, to me, it was just a nice nice little nod. I, I like yeah, it. Yeah, for me, for my rating would be, would be The Tenant, and then for Serious Collectors Only, mm-hmm. And then it would be, uh, what is it? What's it called? Uh, the Body of Work, the first one. Yeah, that, then, that one was really unique as well. Yeah, even though the art was a little eh for me, um, the story was good. I still mm-hmm. like the story, and I, I, I it still beat um, the, the the last one in the, the, the anthology. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't really huge on the uh, Runaway Roadkill one. It was yeah. It was it was nice, like it had a nice sense of irony to it, but it was also it, a lot shorter and like it was short. A lot happens in a lot less time compared to the other short stories that were in this. Yeah. Plus, it was a little confusing because they had a bunch of text boxes that I would say are from her mind. Uh, like, some of the text boxes were from the Crypt Keeper himself. You got to think he's narrating these stories as well. That's true. Well, because there was a bunch of things where it kind of seems like it's from her point of view. Mm-hmm. And it kind of confused me. I was like, well, is this her or is it not? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that, that that's my review or my. Uh, that's, I'd say my overall rating is uh, for this comic as a whole. 
uh, with the two stories, you know, being the main leaders as the tenant and the for serious collectors only, uh, I'd give it a solid seven or an eight Crypt Keeper keys out of 10. So I would go with a seven, seven Crypt Keeper keys. A solid seven. I could, yeah. I could see that. Uh, if you like really cheesy jokes for our listeners, uh, if you like really cheesy jokes, uh, some fun little satire, a really strong sense of irony, this is this is the one for you. Now, if you're if you're going into this expecting the level of horror comedy that Evil Dead produces, you're not going to get it. You're going to be mm-hmm. disappointed. Um, this is made for a younger audience, um, and it's still good. It's definitely leaning more towards comedy than it is horror as well. Yes. And by comedy, I mean like a lot of cheesy jokes mm-hmm. a lot of them really borderline dad jokes and i feel like it kind of adds to the charm yeah uh it's still good um but if you're looking for something a little bit more hardcore uh you, you ain't gonna get it on this one yeah it's but, just a fun little i'd say it's kind of a slice of life comic like it's just nice the best like, time i would say to read this is when you're bored and you're laying in bed <laughs> and you want something to you want something to read give this a read gives you a little it's cool little spooky stuff here and there it gives you it gets yeah. you into a, it gets you into the mood or in like a waiting room in the doctor's office because it's perfect it's the perfect amount of pages for like a quick little wait room read yeah they're not long stories mm-hmm. you can read each one in like 10 minutes i mean it's only 111 pages it's quite no, a small comic compared to some of the other ones we've read yeah but uh i really liked it i think yeah, it'd be, no, it was pretty good I, I definitely recommend both the movie that we reviewed and the tales from the crypt but of course tales from the crypt kind of has a, a soft spot in my heart from my childhood yeah, yeah thank that. you tj for saying good episode we appreciate the support from tj brody kane and the rest of project louder yeah love them all fucking love them all but uh i'd say we kind of covered all the bases it's about time to wrap it up and end our episode as always with a shot of tequila 